Make Life Delicious, the podcast, is more than the food we eat. It's what else in life that makes us feel, be, and act delicious. We'll have conversations about real life, its messiness, and the things we can't live without. The ups, the downs, and the things we do on the daily to maintain our health, strength, and our balance. We'll talk about the unconventional wisdom and the alternative practices used in raising families, from healing to sex, because life's juicy. We are so excited and so ready to share how we make life delicious every day and how you can too. This is a Soul Fire production. Today's episode was something that we talked about on our IGTV series. And what's interesting about this is when we initially were going to post this, Pegs, you had a lot of reservations around it. There was a lot of fear around how this topic would be received. And for me, it made me realize even more how important it is that we talk about it because this is inevitable in life. Life and death are one and the same. And today we're going to be talking about death, our experiences with it, and how we cope. Yeah, for me, it's, you know, how do we embrace death? How do we bring it into our family in a way with kids of any age, even adults, like you said, in that moment of us releasing an IGTV around death, I was like, is there some way to soften it? And you were so good at just stating it as is. And that directness, I appreciated. Maybe not at the time, but now, today, looking back, I do appreciate it because, like you said, death is a very much, it is very much a part of life as birth is coming into this world and departing. And I think that in of itself, the directness or this hesitation to have this conversation is why it's so important to have these conversations, to make it more acceptable, more comfortable in the discomfort. Because like we said in our IGTV, there's no good time. There's never going to be a right time to hear, receive, talk about this news of somebody passing or of death, period. So how do you get more comfortable addressing these feelings, these emotions, these conversations with it being such a prominent part of life? Experience, you know, having having gone through the loss of parents, friends, grandparents, aunties, uncles, all of it. You know, growing up, for me, and I, and I think that a lot of people can relate to this, is there's always a fear around death. And instead, what I've learned is instead of fearing death by embracing the inevitable, you then can live your life. I love that. That is, I will speak from my personal experience that I was terrified of death from a very young age until relatively recently in in terms of my spiritual path. 
path and becoming more accepting and self-discovery of myself and what is and isn't in my control. And that fear as a child that led into my teen and young adulthood, I didn't realize how much it was shaping my actions. Mm. And I think being somebody that has experienced a lot of death in my life, of people that I love so deeply. Of all ages, too. All ages. It's how have I learned from that experience instead of living in fear, living my life to the fullest? Right. So I think my journey really with death happened 28 years ago when my mom started transitioning. She had breast cancer and she lived with it for 11 years. And then that last year, we didn't know how long she had. But at the time, I had four children under the age of six. I had a newborn and we had just completed building this house. And I made a conscious decision for myself that I was going to spend time with my mom. And it was a hard decision. You know, I was very fortunate to have help at the time, Mm -hmm. taking care of the four of you guys. But I would go up and be with my mom four days a week. And that time I gave myself to be with my mom during this transition truly was the gift of releasing the fear around death for myself. And I've heard that from a lot of people who say, I experienced the death of my friend or family member or parent. And right in those moments of that experience is where you realize the beauty, no matter if it's an easy, you know, lengthy transition, which I think is actually easier when you have this time. I had time with my mom. Exactly. As opposed to if someone suddenly passes away and you don't have that time. Mm -hmm. But I grew up, like you, Meg, with the same fear of death and dying, of being alone. And I struggled with that my whole life. Did something trigger that for you? Oh, probably the treatment of my siblings. (laughs) You know, I was harassed. I was 10 years younger than my brother and Mm -hmm. five years younger than my sister. And, you know, they were much older than me. They did not want to have to babysit me. They didn't want to have to do any of that stuff. But the long and the short of it was I was terrorized. And so I was always kind of like in fear of my life and fear of, you know, whatever. And then as people started dying, I, my parents, you know, being raised Jewish, we didn't really talk about the meaning of death, of dying. And I just experienced it by going to these funerals and, you know, putting in the Jewish religion, you're buried within 48 hours. But then also sitting Shiva. Well, and then 
that was pretty amazing. I didn't come to appreciate sitting Shiva in the Jewish religion. You have seven days after you're buried, you're, you know, you're put in the ground or entombed, you know, within those 48 hours. And then the families, if they so choose, they'll sit Shiva. And that is a time of actually celebration of the person. Mm -hmm. And it's just bringing in families and friends for seven days. And it's where you get to actually make peace with yourself in those times and, and share the stories and the remembrances of the people. We did not sit Shiva for neither my mom nor my dad. We weren't like super religious in that respect. But I do remember my dad was raised Orthodox. So we had a lot of Shivas, you know, that were sat in our family. So I experienced a lot of that. But I don't know really where it came from. But what I do know is I knew the minute my fear went away. And it was that time that I spent with my mom. And I did not feel guilty or ashamed. I know some people would say, how could you do that? But again, I was blessed with help. Well, and for, like, put it into perspective, you were how old? 30? Well, 30 years ago. So I was, uh, no, I had just turned 40 at the time. So, no, I was getting close to 40. I was like 30, late 30, 30s. Yeah, yeah which is still like, 30s. I can't even... Wrap my head around that. That seems yeah. way too young to lose a mom, which Nana was young. Yeah, she, in, yeah. In the grand scheme of life. <laughs> 70. Yes. So, yes. But after her passing and after this veil was lifted, um, what took place during that year was to me the magic. So when my mom and I were able to share time together, one of the things that we did, we shared this book, Many Masters, Many Lives. And in the past, I've shared with you in from 19 to 28, I had severe panic disorder. And a lot of that too has to do with fear as well. And so I had read that book during that time and it's about past life experiences. But what it did, and this is a psychologist that brought this to light about these past lives to help his clients that he saw all these similarities of going back and remembering these past life experiences that helped people through fear of dying and fear of, you know, whatever anxieties and, and whatnot. But I read that book with my mom and I remember having conversations around it and it brought her a lot of peace what it also allowed for was the conversations that we would have. And these, in these conversations, we would reminisce a lot about her life. I learned a lot about her life that I really didn't know because, you know, as a kid, you're growing up, you don't really sit down with your parents and go, so tell me about your life and tell me about what you were like in high school and, you know, meeting your parent or, you know, all those things. And it, I, I learned so much about my mom in that time. It reminds me of, I was just listening to Brendan Bouchard talk about the, was it 21 questions or something that he mm. asked his father when he was dying and he recorded it and mm. he said how grateful he was that he did that interview with his dad because now he can always go back and watch that. And 
it's something that you can do with your family members and we'll try and find it and link it below because it's kind of like you did that through your own tool and reading this book with your mom and that time that you got to have, you'll never get it back. You know, you never, that time is so, so special. Yeah. And I think again, it, it also reminds us how to live life because when we would reminisce and she had a lot of challenges in in her life. And so by her sharing those challenges and by bringing them to light, by reminiscing, it, it gave me this um, appreciation for my life today. It, it, it gave me this sense of gratitude. And so it was interesting too, because after Nana had passed away, uh, you had a very hard time. I was going to say, this is kind of my part of this. Nana's passing was the first, ex- first memory and experience I had around death. Mm-hmm. And I, even though I was young, very you were young, five. I was five. I vividly remember it. I remember the moment that she passed. I remember you being so heartbroken. I remember me being so sad, not fully understanding also because I adored my Nana more than anything. I loved her so much. And that then instilled this deep fear that my mom had lost her mom and now I was going to lose my mom is the thought that I had and the fear that grew inside of me. And I don't really remember much other than the the death itself and the loss and the sadness and the pain I felt. But I do know then that was what we talked about. We've mentioned before that you did kindergarten with me. (laughs) Yes, I went to kindergarten with you and really, you know, there wasn't much to console. You had this great fear that if I was out of sight, you would be so worried. Where are you? You know? And so eventually what we did is we did play therapy with you. Mm-hmm. And it it was like the best thing ever because it allowed you to work through your fears. And I would so encourage that, you know, uh, because it, I'll never forget the moment when you realized where you were so afraid about that whole thing. Because like I said, as a child, here you were, you went to the grave site. You saw us put the dirt on Nana and that box. And right then and there, you were like, how can she breathe? You didn't understand. You didn't have the the knowing of what's going on? Nana's in the box. What's, you know, and, and then you thought, well, then mom can't breathe. And it was just this, this whole cycle of, how do I cope? When I, on top, another layer on top of that for you yourself, you're coping the loss of your mom. You now mm-hmm. have four young girls that you're now having to take care of. And one daughter, me, who is now freaked out about death and not understanding it. Whereas, I mean, Annie and Sam, my youngest sister's, are, we're so young. Yeah. And then Alex, I mean, I can't speak on her experience around it, but for you, how challenging that must have been to still show up as a mom with so much 
loss and grief and heartache that now you don't have your mom. And then managing my emotions. I am so grateful that you put me in therapy. And I just, it just sparked a thought because did Alex go to therapy? Nope. And I just have to say, you know, out of all my sisters, I have the least amount of anxiety and stress. Mm. And I mean, I don't know where that's part of my personality. I'm not somebody that that gets really riled up around stuff. My the the extent of my anxiety deals with it is overwhelm, experiencing feeling feelings of a little bit of overwhelm if there's too much going on. Um, but I'm not somebody that has that constant stream of fear chatter going through my head or just anxiety of what what will be. I don't I don't understand. Um, knock on wood, I feel very blessed. I haven't experienced a, a panic attack. I don't know what that's like. And I can't help but think, you know, from at five years old, I was given these tools of really understanding these emotions because clearly at five, I was filled with fear, filled with anxiety that anytime you left that we would do it. And those tools that I was given that I don't remember now, but that experience I have to say that, that that I have to assume that that has helped me now in my life. Well, and it wasn't just the therapy too. I mean, because we had our family meetings, because I would sit and we would read every night before we go to bed, we would be able to talk about. Totally. But I'm saying in, the, in this sense of clearly you were trying to support me. Right. In this experience, my first experience of loss. And you asked for help. You knew that's ego aside. As a mom, I can imagine there's a lot of stuff surrounding like, oh, I got this because you are, you're a superwoman. You take care of everything. Like everyone, like mom's got it. Mom, <laughs> you go to mom, like dad's too, but like there's this, there's a different connection with the mom and that nurturing and that having all the answers. And I mean, as we get older, we know, or if you are so fortunate to have that very nurturing, loving relationship with your mom, that, that is that I was so blessed to grow up with. Because a lot of people don't have that. A hundred percent. And that is where these tools, like even for such a loving, compassionate mom, you are able to set that aside and say, I need help mm -hmm. helping my daughter. And therapy is such an amazing resource. It, it, it really can be for a lot of people in a lot of different ways, no matter how old they are. So, you know, not to discount that tool to be able to have, you know, and when you said um, I was going through my own, you know, grief, you know, in the beginning, at, at first, you know, when Anna first died, I was... It, I was almost ashamed at how good I felt in the very beginning. I was mm. smiling because I knew that she was out of her pain. Mm -hmm. And there's these different levels that one goes through in loss. And then all of a sudden it, it felt like bricks hitting me was this grief yeah. that suddenly just piled on me. And I mean, it was hard for months. I think it took me like almost six months to get out of it, but I had a lot of tools in my toolbox, you know, to, to actually work through it. And what were some of those tools? So, well, one of the tools that I had uh, was 
to be able to live in my life while going through grief. I, you know, when someone passes away, the first thing they want to give you is Xanax and Valium. Like here, just numb yourself. And from panic disorder and declining it then, I knew I didn't want it. And I do want to say like those medications do serve a purpose for some people. For some people, but I- really do provide value. Correct. For you- Personally, that they, wasn't your choice. If you, it, for an alternative way of it is, I, I think this is also again a topic that is another conversation in our society and how quick we are to put a drug on to help people cope and manage emotions and feelings and situations. For you, you chose a different route. Right, because it didn't work in my body for me. I, I didn't want to be numbed. I wanted to feel my feelings. I wanted to be able to be present, not feel loopy or drugged, you know, going through life. And so homeopathics really served a purpose for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the three that, that I use specifically is when you lose someone, it's hard to breathe. You have this feeling in your chest that is like, I can't breathe. What do you mean? You know, and it comes in a stage. So there's about nine weeks is what I've really learned. And there's books written on this as well. But after nine weeks, it's like your body starts to physically realize, wow, they're not coming back. And it's really hard to breathe and it's really hard to accept. So you go through the deepest, darkest part of the grief, some people do. And that's where Aconate Naples for the anxiety allows you that freedom to breathe. Mm -hmm. And then another remedy, which is called Ignatia, is specific for grief and anxiety, especially if you have uncontrollable, you can't stop crying, which crying has such benefit and release for your heart, which I would do. I'd get in my car and, you know, I didn't want to have you guys see me crying all the time. So I'd go drive and I would just release that pain in my heart. But the Ignatia, what it did is allowed me to be in life with my family still experiencing grief and still being present for my family. I mean, you know, four young kids and a husband was a lot. And, you know, it just allowed me that. The last one that I've, I've given these three remedies to friends who've lost husbands and kids and all that is a remedy that's called Fields of Flowers. And we'll put all this in. Again, we're not notes. in the show notes. Again, Megan and I will always share this. We're not doctors. We don't profess to be doctors, you know, but this is what's worked for us. And definitely consult your doctor if you are interested in taking these homeopathic alternative supplements or alternative therapy remedies. Mm -hmm. And so homeopathics are remedies. And so fields of flowers, it comes in a little blue jar. And I would say, you know, it kind of takes the blues away. It like lifts you up in a very mild way that again, you don't feel drugged. You don't feel anything. You just feel this peace in your body that allows you to be in life. And because experiencing grief is an important part of the healing. And that's a piece that I learned. And for some people, you know, it it can take months. For me, it took six months 
until one day I realized, wow, I'm ready. I'm ready to let it go. I'm ready to do life differently because my family needed me. But they also gave me the time and the space to be in that grief process. So for that, I was so eternally grateful. I'll never forget too, when my father passed away, it was much easier because I think of the process that I had been able to go through with my mom. But I have this one funny story with my dad. You know, we were sitting around the table and I I cursed a lot after my dad passed away. And we had you know, a very enlightened conversation because I literally had such a potty mouth with the word fuck. Everything was fuck. And it just would like come out. And my kids would be like, mom. And I said, you know what, you guys, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't do any of these things. But that word, I explained to them how that word did something for my soul because my father also used that word a lot. And so whatever it was, I don't know if I was, you know, channeling my dad or what, but it just gave me this freedom. Also, that was like kind of menopausal. Um, Oh, maybe, maybe. Because I was like, I'm thinking it was in high school. And I do remember that (laughs) you going, it was like, I mean, if hormones and emotions weren't heightened enough, it was a lot, a lot going on in the Curry Girl household. I know. But so, you know, being able to express yourself. And so some of the things that, you know, I personally did during any of my grief times from my parents was besides the homeopathic, I remember in those six months too of that grieving process, I would lay down and I would do what I call a spirit hug. And I would literally lay in corpse position, you know, from yoga, shavasana, and I would white light my whole body and I would call my mom in. And she literally, I would feel her lay over me for this spirit hug. And I would take however many minutes and then I would release her. And then it just like, There has never been a time in my mom's, since my mom's passing that I've ever felt without her. And her hummingbird. Exactly. And so when my mom, before she passed, I said, okay, you're going to have to come, come to me and some, give me some kind of a sign, mom, that it's you. And from the moment she passed on the hummingbird and in my house, there's hummingbirds. I wear a hummingbird necklace, the hummingbirds, she still comes to me and, um, she would come to my husband, Tim. She would come to the kids. She would come to friends and it, It's those signs that um, recently a friend's mom had passed away and she shared with me this book called Signs. And I was so excited because now someone had done this writing around signs when someone actually passes away. And she talks about butterflies and she talks about hummingbirds and, you know, all the different ways that, you know, you might see license plates. I would watch, I would see license plates that would say Evie. And I know that my mom was like, hi. (laughs) And I love that because that's such a sense of awareness and like, I mean, to see it, you you know. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember Poppy? What happened with Poppy? 
Wasn't with the turtle? The turtle, yes. So I was getting ready to teach a class, and um, these women came to my front door, and they said, this turtle is trying to get to your house. And I was like, I didn't think anything of it until— Megan like came because Megan, you know, always loved animals and she grabbed this animal and she was like, this is Poppy, Poppy the turtle. And I was like, just started crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you know? So it's like to be open and available to receive these signs from those that have passed away uh, is very helpful. And comforting. I just remember that like as a kid and growing up, like, having that feeling that connection still because that's the thing it's like even though somebody's physical body leaves this earth we are our family and I mean my mom and I believe in spirit and in energy and in people still feeling that connection when you need it and in those times of need and being able to have that sign or having that connection to something that resonates as the person that you've lost is really comforting and it gives you that that sense of peace in your heart and I loved that my mom shared that with us as young kids that when she would come in and she'd always say oh look there's Nana and it to me it's was so second nature I didn't think anything of it until I'm with friends or something and I see oh there's my Nana and they're like what what are you talking about? What is? What do you mean this hummingbird's your nana? Or I have friends that they too were like, oh my God, that's that's my grandma. That's my mom. That's like, I have a connection to this hummingbird or I have a connection to this. And it's, again, it's this book. It's like finding comfort and also community and solidarity and like something that is so hard. Oh, you know, I love that you said about community, Megan, Mm -hmm. because I'll never forget. I mean, it's happened a couple of times. There was this um, friend of ours and he had just recently lost his mom and he called me up out of the blue and he goes, Peggy, my mom showed up at my door. I'm almost like embarrassed to say this, but I know from all the times that you talked about it that she showed up as a hummingbird and, you know, it surprised him. And so when you have this openness to receive, Mm -hmm. it offers you this opportunity to, like you said, connect with the people that you lost. And it happened again yesterday. One of my neighbors, I gave her the book, The Signs, and I hadn't seen her. And she said, oh, my goodness, Peggy, thank you for this book because it brought me so much peace. And now I'm paying attention to, you know, Alan and hearing him and seeing him and I can laugh with him. And it just, it's brought me so much comfort and joy. So, so that piece is, is really um, heartwarming, you know? Yeah. And I think about, you know, and all the experiences I've had with death in my life in high school, losing friends that were so young and, Mm. Friends' parents, when I was in middle school, my best friend's mom passed away. And that was another really traumatic experience. And, you know, I think one of the biggest lessons that death has taught me is appreciation for life. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we said, we talked about it on IGTV because both my mom and dad had received messages in the midst of my older sister's birthday that they had somebody in their lives had ind- separately had passed away, two people that had passed away. And in one circumstance, there was that feeling of guilt that hadn't called him back and hadn't had a conversation. And I think, you know, this appreciation that I have for life and for the people in that every time someone I love or knew, or there's a loss that I've experienced, it's a really painful reminder of how important it is to show up more fully in life and to show gratitude for the people in my life that means something. Mm-hmm. I I was reading somewhere about how like a mother who had lost a child and she was speaking to another mother who had a child and said by neglect you neglecting your child isn't isn't the point. Making me feeling bad about what you have. Mm-hmm. If anything, I hope that you hug your child tighter. Mm. Love them harder. Mm. Appreciate them more daily. Mm. That's what I would do. Mm. And that's how I've kind of taken my lesson around these experiences with death. Because let me tell you, when I was in middle school and my best friend lost her mom, it was like, how is that fair? Mm. I had so much anger and frustration of this second mom that I had in this life of mine that I like, I just felt like robbed Mm. and mad. And then also that expression of like, why do I still have my mom and she doesn't have hers? How is that fair? Like, I think it, it it makes you question stuff. And it's a really slippery slope if you continue down that path. And it can lead to anger and really to fear and instead reminding yourself of being in that light. And that for me, it's become a spiritual practice because I personally believe in reincarnation and past lives and in my own journey in getting to know myself in this world we live in better. And it's an ever-evolving journey of discovery and things that I believe in personally that give me comfort in this, what seems unfair a lot of times world. I come back to this piece of that. It's, I I truly do believe everything happens for a reason. I have faith in that. I also have faith in the power of my choice and that I can choose to change, to course correct, to change the course. That's something that I I think is so beautiful to understand that nothing is written in stone. You You can change things. And death has helped me understand that because up until that point, you get to change and choose how you live. And. I personally choose to live in love and appreciation and in gratitude 
death has helped me strengthen my gratitude practice so much. I am so grateful for my life. I'm so grateful for the people that I've had in my life, that I've gotten to love them so deeply that it hurts so badly when they've left because that means I loved them that much. Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. It is. It is. With big love comes the, the potential for big loss. Mm-hmm. And big pain and a lot of grief. But that doesn't mean that you don't continue to show up for that big love. Oh, a hundred percent, you know, and, and, you know, you're putting yourself in, in a position to experience so much more in your life, Megan. Yes. And I know too, for me, like Pegs, you've talked about a lot of um, signs and tools that talking and crying and these supplements that have helped support you in death and loss. And, you know, I think for me, my experience with plant medicine has helped me. My experiences with past life regression and therapy, Mm -hmm. all of these other resources that I've utilized have helped me with death and life. Well, and one of the other things I I forgot to mention, which is another alternative, was um, a friend of mine had just seen this channeler up in PV. Mm, The psychic. A a clairvoyant, Mm -hmm. yes. And I was petrified to go, literally petrified. It took me a long time to get myself to go. But the minute I went and I heard her channel my mom, because these were things only my mom would know. And that too brought me great peace to hear her voice coming through someone else. And I think that's so, that can be such a useful tool, especially if you are in the experience of guilt or grief, where you feel like you didn't have that time with the parent or the person that you had had Mm -hmm. and having those conversations. My best friend who lost her mom, she really heavily utilizes seeing a psychic because it's just, that's again, a connection for her that she gets to have those conversations with her mom Mm. when she misses her and having that. And again, that's depending on what you're comfortable with, Mm -hmm. but it can be such a beautiful resource to have those conversations with Mm -hmm. another person that can connect so that you can have more comfort and closure. Yeah. And then, you know, let's say you're not, you know, into that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. but there are things now, there are, there are actually professionals called death doulas. Oh my God. Yes. That are incredible. Mm -hmm. And they are trained professionals to help not only during the transition, Mm -hmm. you know, I found hospice to be like, incredible during the transition time. These people, everyone. Angels. Angels. They're angel. They literally, <laughs> yes. His name was angel. It was named angel. Yeah, but they are literal yeah. angels holding that light 
space and that comfort in such an uncomfortable experience. Yes. And so getting back to, you know, a death doula is someone that not only can help you during the process, but then after the process can really help you with even more tools in their training to help you release, you know, your pain and help you through your grief. Mm -hmm. You know, if you notice, we're not saying let's hurry up with the grief. That grief serves a purpose. It's kind of like when you, you know, crawl to when you walk. It's that same thing. Everybody will go through grief in their life. And it also doesn't necessarily have to be the death of someone. It could be the death of a job. (laughs) You can have grief, you know, losing a job. You can have, you know, grief with yourself. I was going to say, you know, like I've said, I'm always looking to evolve and be a better version of myself and to grow. And I feel like in these 30 years on this planet, I have lived so many different iterations of (laughs) Megan and having to grieve parts of me that I'm choosing to let go of or relationships, grieving a partner, grieving a a relationship, a friendship Mm -hmm. has been another really big one. As I've evolved and knowing that some people grow with you and some people, what is it that they say? It's like, um, a season uh, for a lifetime, a purpose. It's like there's to different every, the song. to everything. It's mm-hmm. like there's different. There's you have seasons. Friendships can be in seasons that for yeah. a part of your life there are forever friendships. There are also friends that come in to serve a purpose, and when mm-hmm. that purpose, it's like that was it. But it's not no more or less meaningful, right? But you can grieve though when yeah. it departs, yeah, or when something ends. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, having the opportunity to learn about grief and teaching your kids again, if you are a parent listening to this, there's so many wonderful tools to be able to teach your kids at any age, whether it's, you know, books that are appropriate, the the loss of a pet, you oh know, yes. that to me was like, you know, huge for us when we lost our family pet and mm-hmm. and the steps that we took to really help our our dog Shanti pass after 14 years of just incredible love and friendship you know with this this dog that we all loved and it can be such a beautiful experience if you're open to experiencing that with yeah, allowing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, allowing the space and the opportunity to do that. And creating almost like a ceremony around it. And it is this again, what we keep saying is, you know, what I, I think what I love so much about the Jewish traditions. Traditions with sitting Shiva and this celebration. Another, I mean, I remember when we lost Claudia and mm-hmm. being far away, I was off to college again, the ending of one part of my life and being on my own coming home and it being such a party and mm-hmm. a celebration of her life mm-hmm. is that there's no one way to grieve. No. <laughs> there's no one way, like you said, like you, at first you were okay. And knowing that you might not know how it's going to look and allowing it to be forgiving yourself. When I'm in really uncomfortable situations, sometimes my knee-jerk reaction is to laugh. And it is so uncomfortable (laughs) because my body is like, doesn't know how to process it. And I also like cry at the drop of the hat. I feel like I'm so 
I, I can feel so much that it's overwhelming and like I can come into a sad situation. I'm like the person that's crying along to all the commercials. It's like, instead of shaming yourself or mm. judging yourself for how you react to something and just observing it and allowing yourself to process in whichever way you need to process is gonna just make the experience that much more potent and it it, it can just sit with you and have a positive outcome. It's, it's so true, Meg. You know, how, how you are in life, how you are in life really shows, you know, um, what, what you want, how you want to be is how your kids will be as well. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. speaking from the parent view again and showing your kids you know, how you react to things really helps your kids. And so having that, that openness and vulnerability and communication, I think really is key to helping kids of any age um, support the loss and the grief of anything that comes to be. And, and that goes the same with adults and young adults and, you know, I think we've touched on so many different modalities. You know, we've talked in past about EFT. You know, that's a great release for mm-hmm. grief as well. The emotional freedom, um, technique. freedom technique that's tapping on, you know, your meridians and allowing your your um, body to kind of rebalance itself and eliminate these symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about energy workers, clairvoyant and channelers. We talked about the death doula. You know, there's also spiritual counselors too that are available, um, and so many books out there today that are that can be very comforting. And you know, we talk a lot about the different tools that we practice on a daily basis. Yeah. And like we said, I mean, traditional therapy, friends, mm-hmm. family, really turning into your community. I think a big thing too is like allowing yourself to receive support. Yeah. That's a big one. And that knowing that you don't have to go through it alone and that mm-hmm. finding groups or people that have experienced similar loss or can grieve with you, the power of community is huge. Yeah. It's not to be underestimated. Yeah. That yeah. sometimes you can do it alone, but you don't have to. Right. And that if you're struggling and you can't get past it, you still have anger, sadness, or all these things that maybe it is that is what could help you right you need that little help mm-hmm. and that that's there's no shame in that wow you know it's it's comforting to know that we can have a conversation around death and loss and grieving mm-hmm. and learning how to embrace it learning how to be with it for yourself and with family And I just want to thank you, Megan, for your um, openness and your wisdom to share. You know, you you bring so much to the table and it also shows me that the teachings and the foundation that we planted and it's just sprouting all over. And it just it it brings me great joy to, you know, hear from you. So thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm I'm grateful for you and taking the time, even though like you said, your parents didn't have 
necessarily these resources or the tools that you shared with us, Mm -hmm. but you sought that out. And that's Mm -hmm. that piece about changing. Like you can choose to change how you show up to something. Maybe you yourself are really scared of death and looking at that and how do you address it? Especially if you're a mom with kids so that you can have a good, we're all about these conversations, you know, and we are just so grateful that we get to have them with you. And if there's something that you feel like you want to share with us or you want to share this with your friend, please reach out to us, share this episode. If you feel like it could support somebody, talk to us on all of our social media channels or wherever on our website, send us an email through currygirlskitchen.com. Send us a DM on our Instagram at currygirlskitchen. We're here for you. And thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for showing up today. Thanks for listening to this. (laughs) And if you really loved it and it really touched something in your heart and you feel called to, please rate, review, subscribe to our podcast. So as we put more of these out, you're notified and you get to be a part of the conversation with us. Thank you.